Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 324. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BoonGreenNation.com. Uh, the Eagles kicked off OTAs earlier this week. Well, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, I think the actual date was the May 30th was the first day. But the first day that uh, Eagles Media was actually able to watch a practice was on Thursday, June 1st. So we got our first look at the rookies alongside the vets. Got a wasn't a super intense practice, but uh, some you know initial observations to you know take uh, of the team uh, in their you know in our first time seeing the the entire the team in its entirety together. Uh, so what Brandon and I will do in this episode is just sort of bat it back and forth on what we saw at the first practice, the first full Eagles media attended practice. Uh, but before we get to all that, I know that I need to know where I can find the finest meat snacks in the land. Righteousfelon.com. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Discount code BTN15 for 15% off your order. Jimmy, Jimmy, it's always great to be at the NovaCare Complex to watch a practice. I feel like that's one of the most enjoyable aspects of our job, at least for me, it is. I can't speak for you, but I feel like mm-hmm. it is because it's fun. It's fun to get to see the guys practice, especially because, I mean, this one is their the first look at the 2023 Eagles, not in their full form. Certainly, a lot of players were not in attendance because uh, <laughs> right. it's voluntary. They're voluntary, to be clear. Yeah. So, And, <laughs> you know, guys, certain guys just don't need to be there. Like, why is, you know, like Brandon Graham and Lane Johnson, who are not there, like, why do they really... What are they really missing by not being there? Um, yeah. And it's a lighter, you know, situation anyway. The Eagles run the lightest kind of off-season spring workout program in the league. They don't even do mandatory minicamp, which I think every... Only team in the league that doesn't do the mandatory minicamp. I thought it was like them and the Bengals. So the Bengals didn't do it last year or something. But basically, yeah. I think they're the only team this year that doesn't okay. have a mandatory minicamp. It's really just, what, six OTA practice days in total? No more than two in a mm-hmm. row. That's kind of like how they do it in training camp, too. They never really practice more than two days in a row. It's always an off day after that. That's probably all part of the very conscious effort to keep players as healthy as they possibly can. Uh, but like you said, there were still some takeaways to be had. So what did you take away? Oh, I'm first. All right. Uh, Nolan Smith. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot to say about him. So to begin, one of the things I was curious about as I am every year is, you know, what, what exactly these guys look like in person uh, alongside the already established vets on the team. 
And we just look at on, on paper at Nolan Smith's size. He's 6'2", he's 238, which is very undersized for an NFL edge rusher. On the field, <laughs> that dude doesn't look undersized <laughs> like at all to me. He looked like he's he looks stout. He looked like there's one play where he was actually um uh Dallas Cotter caught a pass and was running on the field. Nolan Smith trailed that play from behind, you know, caught him. And, you know, look at those two guys standing side by side, side by side. There's like not that much of a difference. And Goddard's a pretty big tight end, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this is a guy that does not look to me, you know, uh, just watching on the field. I don't know if he gained weight since the since the combine in, in Indy in February, uh, but he, he does not look like he's going to get run over by anyone like in the NFL. Like he, he'll, he'll be able to he looks stout to me. And uh, the athleticism was certainly there. Um, but the thing that sort of impressed me about him just in terms of his play on the field yesterday, and and we should note first off, you know, right off the bat, they had some seven-on-seven seven drills. They didn't do any team drills. So, like I said, it wasn't like a really intense practice in any way. But during those seven-on-seven seven drills, what he would do is he would rush the quarterback. And obviously, you're, there's no offensive line. So he's not, yeah. like, it's not like that's not even competitive in any way. So he's, you know, he's a free run at the quarterback. So his, but his job was basically to run after the quarterback, stop before he got there and then trail the play from behind. And this dude is like an energizer bunny out there. Like the way that he was hustling back down the field uh, after, you know, each pass um, was pretty impressive. It actually reminded me a little bit, and this is going to like, you know, people don't hear about Jordan Matthews, but, (laughs) but like, but it reminded me of like Jordan Matthews as a rookie when they catch a pass and you run like the full, you know, length of the field so much so that like Chip Kelly got annoyed by it after a while, like, cause he, like he was slowing up like the, the next play in the sequence. So, uh, but you know, I saw a little bit of that in, 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 uh, Nolan Smith in his play in the first day of, of practice. And, you know, I think other guys on the team sort of feed off that energy. So it's good to see that he has that. Kind of like seven on nine, not even seven on seven with those two extra. Right, right, right although, exactly. Yeah, not yeah, true yeah, yeah. defenders, not actually like doing what they would be doing if they're allowed to actually attack the quarterback. But still kind of interesting to have them there. I think I saw Nolan Smith, you know, kind of like, you know, get some hands on Dallas Goddard or a slot receiver too. you know, like kind of try to disrupt their route a little bit coming off the line. Um, so that's another possibility with him. But yeah, I agree with you. His energy was present. There's been a lot of Nolan Smith like podcast appearances lately. We talked about the one from uh, mm-hmm. or the the draft clip from last week's episode where uh, he was so fired up to get drafted. And he had that great quote to Sean Desai. And then since then, he's gone on like, you know, the green light with Chris Long. And that was awesome. Did you listen I, to that? I, yeah, I did last night. I think I actually finally caught up, but I know you had tweeted out his quote about like the cold weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I forget exactly what it was, but it, it, there was a, uh, there's some expletives in there, but he was basically like, uh, as long as I get to hit a MF or mm-hmm. uh, I'm happy. It was something to that effect. So like he didn't care about the cold weather as long as he gets to hit people. Yeah. Uh, so I think Nolan, I mean, your, your article title for your OTA notes was like Nolan Smith could be a fan favorite. I think he already is a fan favorite. And I think, uh, yeah, right, and certainly, right. you know, you have to match that, um, all the off the field stuff with actual on field production, whatnot. But I mean, man, that guy wants it. I really liked, by the way, how he did hustle down the field to chase down Dallas Goddard to then strip at the ball, which is something defenders typically do. But I think it was a little different. I don't think just any rookie goes like all the way down the field like that to Dallas Goddard, an established player 
and like kind of gets up in his grill. It wasn't heated at all, but still like <laughs> it was competitive yeah. and like Nolan Smith had like had some words with them. Again, nothing I don't think anything heated, but still that's not just any rookie who does that and kind of like has that kind of swagger and confidence and energy to do that. He's hungry. He's hungry. He legitimately is. I think that speaks to uh his game and uh it's kind of a benefit here that Hassan Reddick not attending um gives him a, a chance pretty much. I mean, he was out there like yeah, the, the entire time it felt like um, and I'm sure he doesn't mind that. I'm sure he wants to be out there. So, uh, yeah, basically all the edges were out. So Hassan Reddick yep. wasn't there. Josh yep. Sweat, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett is still recovering right. from his ACL. Uh, so he was, it was him and like Janarius Robinson were like the only two edges out there. Uh, yes. So he pretty much played almost every, he, I, he, if he didn't play every single rep, he played almost yeah. every single and rep. And easier for those guys, I feel like to do that again, because of the construct, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a cornerback playing every single rep in that would be a little bit tougher. Yeah. Than yeah. Going and running with the wide receivers every time. Um, keeping it on defense, flipping it over to a player playing at a new position. We had Zach McPherson in the slot mm-hmm. which isn't like a shocker considering they also have like a ton of cornerbacks in their depth chart they have like 11 or 12 or something. they have a lot of bodies at corner mm-hmm. um, so obviously someone's gonna have to play inside Avante Maddox still recovering from that foot injury he had surgery after the 2022 mm-hmm. season ended uh, so that's kind of factoring in there I, I believe just Josiah Scott wasn't practicing as well or not he was there. not he was not yeah. there yeah he's got to have some kind of injury I would imagine because he wouldn't just be skipping right. that'd be a very yeah odd choice so uh you know yeah not surprising McPherson did that a little bit in college he kind of has a body that doesn't like it's not hard to imagine he could play the slot I was thinking as opposed to someone mm-hmm. like you know like Russell Douglas like that's not going to be a guy who like moves inside to the slot uh someone who you know, has uh, the ability to change direction. So uh, that's, you know, something to watch and certainly a <clears throat> a good way for him, another path for him to potentially get on the field because, you know, we saw Maddox get banged up last year. So uh, I think that's a big one. Yeah. And um, you, I mean, you look at, the, you mentioned that they have a lot of corners and a lot of those guys are outside corners only like Keely Ringo is an outside corner only um, Josh Job probably an outside corner only. Um uh, Greedy Williams, uh, probably also an outside corner only. So um, they don't have a lot of depth, <laughs> you know, in that slot spot. And Josiah Scott, I mean, at, whenever Maddox was out last year, opposing offenses would just put their best receiver in the slot and you try to get him matched up on Josiah Scott, and they all had success uh, against him. So they, I think they need an upgrade at that slot position. And Zach McPherson has barely been able to play because Slay has stayed healthy, Bradbury you know, even the year before that, Steven Nelson stayed healthy. So he he's pretty much only been an outside corner himself. Uh, but, you know, DK McDonald talked after the practice. He's, of course, the new Eagles defensive backs coach with Denard Wilson, you know, gone now. So he mentioned that, um, you know, McPherson did play in the slot uh, in college and they are going to use him in the slot this year. They're going to add that to his plate. And, you know, this is something that I think we had we had mentioned on the podcast previously that it makes sense to to add that responsibility to what he's already doing. And, and it's, it's good to see confirmation that, uh, that, that indeed they are uh, going to try to, you know, make him, I would imagine he'll probably be the primary uh, backup in the slot this year. Maybe also an outside receiver. Yeah, I could see that. And um, Zach McPherson. Uh, outside corner, I meant not outside receiver. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Zach McPherson, I thought looked good as a rookie in training camp. Uh, didn't look as good in the summer. I thought last year, not like terrible, mm-hmm. but just not quite as standout ish, uh, but did look good on special teams 
I think both years and especially last year more so. Right. And that means something, yes. you know, like if, cause he, he tried to, he tried to make himself into a good special teamer and that's what he has become. So there's something to that. And just in terms of like maximizing your ability. And there are some guys that do try to be, uh, you know, good special teams players just to stick on the right. roster or whatever. And they can't. So it's just that he's able to do that is a good sign that he can, you know, that he can play in the, in the regular yeah, defense I, as well. It's not like just because he's a good special teamer means he'll be good on defense, but it does get like, you know, like, all right, there's a chance here. He's, you know, he can work at it. You like to see that. So I think that's meaningful. Um, why don't we go to you again? Yeah, so Cam Jurgens is a guy that we talked about uh, during the last episode. You had mentioned the piece by Joe Santaliquido. Joe Santaliquido <laughs> quoted Baldy uh, as saying that, you know, Lane Johnson wants to play next to uh, a bigger guard. Um I don't know. You know, Lane didn't talk or anything. Lane wasn't even there yesterday. So I imagine he'll get asked about that at some point. But um, I had a chance to ask Jurgens, you know, what weight he's at now uh, and what he wants to play at during the season. And he said he's roughly 305 now. Uh, that's probably a little too small to play guard. He said he wants to be, you know, three somewhere between 310 and 315. He noted that he's, you know, he, he's his game is not going to be like Landon Dickerson style of play. Well, they don't look a, anything you know, like a huge yeah. guard. <laughs> right. So like, you know, his game is going to be athleticism. Um, and, you know, he shouldn't try to be something, you know, that he's not. And I think like, uh, you know, adding you know, 10 pounds or whatever it may be is, is, is a reasonable goal. Uh, he also mentioned that like, he doesn't, a lot of these guys have problem, have a problem keeping the weight on with how much, energy they exert during practice, especially during training camp. He said he didn't have a problem with that in, in previous years. So he wants to get to 310, 315 sometime before the start of camp. Uh, but he's going to need that extra weight uh, because you, know, you face some big boys in the, on the interior defensive line uh, in the NFL. So uh, you can't have him getting pushed around and, and being sort of put on roller skates back on, you know, back toward the quarterback. Obviously he's blocking those guys at center, but you know, different animal at, at guard than it is at center. Center, you're more helping out as opposed to you know getting a lot of one on ones against you. So, um, yeah, he, it's it'll be interesting to see what he looks like in camp. I think it's maybe a little overblown how small he is. Like he looked a little bit bigger to me. I don't, maybe I don't in, agree. In yeah, I yesterday. I think no. Oh, really? Okay, well, go like ahead. Relative to last year, but I just think you look at him and like again, you look at Landon Dickerson. And you're like, that's a different thing. And I know. Landon's for I mean for sure Landon's yeah big, so and that's not like you know, he's bigger than the average guard I would say so it's not totally fair but that's how the Eagles like their guards I feel like under Jeff Stetland at least they like these bigger guards and when I see Kelsey and Durgens lined up next to each other that kind of looks like two centers lined up next to each other like in terms of like their body types I think so I don't know mm -hmm. I, I I think that might be a legitimate worry that they're a little too small there yeah I mean we'll see how they play too in uh in you know, in camp and, and in the preseason and, and into the regular season or whatever. I didn't have a chance much to look at, um, you know, what the offensive line was doing yesterday, but uh, just in sort of catching up on some of the, some of the, you know, the notes by uh, everyone else, um, uh, you know, after I had written mine, you know, Bo, Bo mentioned that, uh, you know, Steen looked pretty good just in terms of, I think he's, I think it was him anyway, um, like his footwork, he, you know, he kind of looked the part, uh, you know, being able to play guard or whatever. So that that's a legit camp battle that's coming up between Jurgens and, and Tyler Steen and maybe to a much lesser degree, Jack Driscoll. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that along with 
pawn earn. We'll get to that in a little bit, I think. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the slot receiver spot and the safeties and et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, we actually have some legit camp battles coming up in training camp, but I think that's the biggest one because it's the one where it's, you know, mono e mono for a starting job. Jason Kelsey was recently on the green light podcast. Um, you know, it's by Chris Long as well. Different episode than the Nolan Smith one. And Kelsey mm-hmm. had mentioned. That was good too. Yes. Agree. Uh, and Kelsey invoked Brandon Brooks name when talking about Steen. Obviously like, you know, he wasn't saying it's a one for one. He was trying to guard against that, but still like he brought that up. And uh, yeah, so, and who was, it was a, I'm, I'm trying to think, was someone, I feel like, can't remember, I thought someone said like they were high on Steen. I can't remember if I'm making that up or not. Anyway, not really valuable. I mean, they drafted him like <laughs> with the first couple of picks in right. the third round. So obviously they like him to take him that so, high. Yeah, I just think my point with all that, again, to reiterate from what I said last week, it's just, yeah, it's a legitimate battle to me. I think too many people are just like, oh, it's, yeah, Jurgens one for one, Samalo, done, done and dusted. And I don't think it's that simple. I think... The Eagles want Jurgens to be the guy, and I think they're going to give him a chance. But I also think they know it might not like a hundred percent just work out, set it, and forget it. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have to see how that plays out. But either way, uh, you know, there there are worse situations to have. It could be a situation there. There's certainly NFL teams with uh, you know, like much lesser people competing for a spot like that, and like trying to string things together and hoping it works. So, not really like. On a concern level, like one out of ten, I'm not like you know anywhere near like panicking. Sky's falling ten, but you know maybe like a a four. He's got something yeah. to prove, no doubt. All right, uh, I guess it's my turn for the next observation, and uh, I'll go with the quarterback. How about that, Jalen Hurts? Okay, uh, stock down, majorly down after that proc. No, <laughs> um, I do think he didn't really do as well with the deep ball. Uh, I don't think he connected on any. Really, maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, Darius Slay had some good passes defensed, uh, in fairness, although the one was like a near pick and, uh, Dallas Goddard actually had to break it up. Um, but first pass of the day, uh, was a impress beauty. Yeah. Impressive completion, tight window over the middle to Quez Watkins in stride, just, uh, over, uh, Nicobe Dean and just out of the way of a trailing, slightly trailing Darius Slay, um, you know, that was a really good completion. Everything else I thought was kind of like Jalen Hurts-ish in the sense of just like quietly efficient. Like, I don't I don't remember like big highlights as much as just, you know, stacking good throws. Um, had a, a connection with Alameda Zacchaeus, who was working in with the first team. Obviously, Devontae Smith was not there. So that kind of you know, opened up more playing time. So, you know, uh, we know what Jalen Hurts is at this point. But still, we're going to, you know, <laughs> we'll still monitor him closely and see how he does and uh no concern at all but um i like that first throw did you take anything away from him i think the takeaway here is he's the fourth guy we've mentioned um and we just sort of expect him to play well at this point and i thought he like he was fine and you know that that first pass that you mentioned um we had a sideline view as we all did of, of that so i don't know how big that window was that he fitted into like you can tell better from like an end zone. I was view, kind of more how, behind how big these windows I think, that are... than you were. Oh, okay. So I was like at the other side of the field and catching up. It looked pretty pretty tight to me. It was a tight window, and it he had to put he had to he had to have so he had to have some heat mm-hmm. on it, but it was also in the perfect spot. And it was Quest Watkins who was basically in full sprint running yeah. across the field. So like it's it, that was a legit mm-hmm. throw, and it, it, it and it's not often that you'll hear players 
you know, give loud compliments, you know, during play, especially after like the first play, there's essentially the first play of practice uh, during the seven on seven session. And Dallas Goddard was like, nice throw, Jay. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, it was, it was a legit throw. And I, I guess that what I'm, what I'm getting at here is like the takeaway here is he's not the focus of attention sure. anymore in this type of setting in terms of like, what does he look like? Like last year heading into OTAs or training camp or whatever, it was, is, can he have a good enough season where, you know, he's the guy long term and they can use these, you know, the, this, all these, all this draft capital on positions to surround him with talent as opposed to using it on a quarterback. And now those, you know, all that's gone. Because obviously he's signed to a long, t- long term deal. The Eagles did, in fact, use those draft picks on talent to surround, uh, maybe not necessarily him on the offensive side of the ball, but they had Jalen Carter and they had Nolan Smith. And they can just really beef up their roster otherwise. And obviously, that's a huge advantage uh, to be able to do that in the NFL. But uh, he's not the focus of attention anymore in these practices anymore and probably won't be during training camp. Of course, we'll watch him and we'll give our thoughts on how he's playing or whatever. But um, I I think at this point, we just trust we just trust now that he's a really good player. Yeah, I'm absolutely giving him the benefit of the doubt. You don't make too big of a deal of, again, those deep passes, I thought, like not being on. Um, He was actually the third best passer in the NFL last year. Deep passer, according to Next Gen Stats. Mm -hmm. They just put out an article about that that I'm probably going to put in the link tomorrow or coming up shortly. Um, But yeah, I think the the best way to tie a bow on this part is um, you want Jalen Hurts to graduate, and he kind of has, to that, like, LaShawn McCoy, Zach Ertz, Fletcher Cox level of, like we always talk about, um, the guys you don't even write about almost in training camp. You know, we will, mm-hmm. again, mention Hertz because he's, it's, the position's more prominent. <laughs> yeah. Um, but sometimes when a player just becomes so good and they do things, you don't even write about it in your notes or tweet about it because it's like, yeah, duh. Like it's expected. It's not even interesting anymore. And that's, right, that's a right. compliment to the player. So I think that's kind of like the goal for Hertz is to graduate to that level of uh, being almost irrelevant. Uh, in a good way, by being so good. Yeah, less scrutinized. Uh, anything else? All right. Uh, yeah, Nicobe Dean uh, is where I'll go next. He is the green dot player on the Eagles defense we learned yesterday. Uh, that actually came from Nicholas Morrow, who spoke with uh, reporters after practice. He, I don't know if he – I remember if he got asked directly, like, who was where, who had the green dot or whatever. But he said uh, Nicobe Dean will be the, the green dot player – uh, in the Eagles defense. And in case you don't know what that means, he's the guy that has the radio transmitter in his helmet that communicates with the defensive coordinator who calls the plays. Kobe then will relay them to the rest of the defense, get guys lined up properly if they're not uh, pre-snap. So, um, you know, at much bigger responsibility for him than he had last year. I mean, he played double-digit snaps last year. Didn't even get into the triple digits in the regular defense last year. Of course, a big part of that was that TJ Edwards and Kaiser White both played well enough and stayed healthy. Um, So he didn't get that many opportunities. The one game he did play, I think it was, what, against the Titans? Uh, I thought he showed some promise uh, in that game. But he is going from essentially uh, a backup and a special teamer as a rookie to basically the top linebacker on the Eagles totem totem pole, so to speak. Um, And, you know, if you're the green dot linebacker, you're going to be a three down backer and um, you're rarely ever going to come off the field. So that's sort of what the Eagles have planned for this guy heading into the season. And that's why they took him in the third round uh, a year ago after the general consensus was that he fell way further than what was expected uh, in the 2022 draft. So, you know, we'll get a better look at him in training camp this year. 
last year, guys like like TJ Edwards and Kaiser White, and even like like Sean Bradley and Davion Taylor and like the other backup linebackers, they all were making plays during training camp last year, but Nakobe wasn't. I think a big part of that was be first of all, Nakobe Dean isn't super gifted in terms of of size, of course. Yeah, he and looks small out also, there, I have to say. I mean, that's not a new observation, but that, it is, like, true. He just yeah. he looks tiny. Yeah, like we mentioned, on certainly on paper, like, his measurables aren't impressive, like, you know, similarly as uh, as Nolan Smith, but whereas Nolan Smith doesn't look yeah. small on the field, Dean, Dean certainly does. Uh, so he's not gifted with size, and he's not gifted with great athleticism. He was so successful at Georgia because he was the smartest player on the field. And he wasn't that as a rookie, of course, uh, you know, coming into the NFL. So we'll see what kind of strides he made. He made, you know, mentally from year one to year two. And if uh, he can sort of see plays before they happen uh, in training camp this year and, and into the regular season, because he wasn't seeing it last year. And and that's sort of be, to be expected. But uh, I think the Eagles, you know, to, to just sort of make him the green dot linebacker right off the bat. Um, is maybe a testament to what they think about how he progressed throughout the season last year. Especially because Morrow has experienced the green dot. I believe he was that yeah, for the Bears yeah. mm-hmm. last year. So, you know, it's not just like, hey, Morrow's always been, you know, a will or whatever. Like, no, like that mm-hmm. he's played at that position. So to have Nakobe over him is not surprising, but it is a deliberate choice. And, you know, look, I, I'm kind of waiting to see on Nakobe Dean. I'm I'm optimistic, I would say, about his potential. I'm more bullish than Barris, but I'm also not like just willing to pencil him or write in pen that he's going to be like this sure. great starter um, or anything like that. Like I, I need to see it. Like show me something in training camp at the very least. Like especially again, you mentioned it. Didn't see it last year uh, outside of like mm-hmm. garbage time, which is nice. And I'm not saying that's irrelevant, but like if he's going to be good, really good, especially then I don't think he can have a quiet camp. I don't think that equates to a uh, regular season, like thriving. It could just mean, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world, but I think it's not irrelevant. So uh, it's a really big summer for him. Didn't really see a ton from him in day one of OTAs, but again, that doesn't really mean a lot. Um, so we'll be interesting to see how he progresses. I'll stay at linebacker, but I'll go to my guy who. Uh, made an interception, arguably the play of practice. <laughs> I, I knew, I knew. Once I said to Kobe, I knew you were going to keep it with linebacker. I knew you were going to mention your, your guy, Christian. I mean, hey, it was a great call. I <laughs> really planted the flag for Christian Ellis uh, last week, I guess, in last week's episode. And sure enough, he made me look good by getting a really impressive leaping interception on Marcus Mariota. Which, by the way, just really quickly. Uh, it's very like surreal. I know, like, I, obviously, I know you know Mario has been an Eagle since like what two months or so now, but still, like mm-hmm. to actually see him finally in an Eagles jersey at the Novacare Complex is like it's kind of wild. It's kind of crazy. It's like oh, this is real. Uh, but yes, he picked off Mariota. That was an impressive interception. And again, I think he. I don't know that like he was going to start or anything. It doesn't seem crazy that he could displace Morrow because Morrow's not making like a ton of money and hasn't been like an amazing player. Uh, but even if that's not the case and Morrow and Nicobe are the top two guys, you know, there could be a situation where um, they play more than two linebackers or there's a rotation or even if it's just about or obviously they're going to have some looks where I'm sure they'll have three linebackers on the field, not a ton of them, but more than none. Um, so he, maybe he could be that guy. Uh, I, I think Ellis has popped previously and limited playing time and certainly at the very least mm-hmm. i think he's a, he's a bona fide good special teams player so i think you're kind of expecting that 
uh, once again. But uh, yeah, I, I think the way you put it in your notes, I saw like he could be like an out quote unquote out of nowhere guy. Uh, Tommy mm-hmm. Lawler, our the, our great friend Tommy Lawler for uh, EaglesBlitz.com wrote about how like you know maybe in theory he could be like a Marcus Epps, you know, like a guy that like last year at this time, everyone, Mm -hmm. it's a little different, not like apples to apples here, but last year at this time, everyone was like, really Marcus Epps, like he's going to start at safety. Like they have to do something about that. And they didn't, they felt good about Marcus Epps. Um, It's not the same situation because Ellis isn't currently penciled in for a starting job, but maybe they like him a lot and maybe he could rise through the ranks. I think he's an under the radar guy to watch. I don't have anything to add on Christian Ellis, but I will note, uh, that there's one point where uh, the running backs uh, and I think the tight ends as well were taking just d- during individual drills, they're taking swing passes from the quarterbacks uh, out like on the perimeter and then bursting up the field from there. And uh, actually Mariota took uh, a rep as a receiver uh, on, on, you know, during that drill. And then, you know, he sped up the field. And to see him run is like, okay, okay. yeah, that yeah, guy can run. Like, <laughs> we already know that. Like, we already know he has mobility. But when he ran, he took, he caught a pass, and then he ran up the field. It's like, okay, yeah, that, yeah, there are the wheels that that we saw, you know, at Oregon and, wh- and wherever else. And you know, we all thought back in the day that he'd be, you know, really an incredible fit in uh, in Chip Kelly's offense. Uh, and who knows how that would have all gone down if like they actually were able to trade up or whatever. But uh, certainly, Mar- Mariota's career has not. Um, lived up to the, you know, the hopeful expectations that the Titans were, you know, had when, when they took him second overall, but uh, that guy's still only 29 years old. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy that he's been in the league as long as he has. And he's, and he's, he's younger than Dak Prescott. Wow. That's a good, uh, I think hey, anyway, good, well, I don't, I think that's what Dak turns 30 okay. in July. Let me see. I know Mariota's that's 29. A good nugget. I mean, it's not crazy. Cause they're only one draft class apart, right? Mariota was 2015. Uh, yeah, Mariota was, tw- was Mariota 20. Yeah, he was 2015. Yeah. yeah. That's not insane. Let me but just make it, sure. it feels crazy, I guess. It feels like he's been around longer than that. But I do remember he came out young. So I think you're right about that. He was definitely. He, yeah, his birthday is October 30th. Yeah. So uh, he's like two years younger. Uh, excuse me, two two or three months younger than He's Dak. also um, <laughs> younger than the Cowboys second round pick. The fifty-year-old tight end they took in the second round, Luke uh, <laughs> yes, Schoonmaker, who, by the way, uh, missed practice for them with uh, some kind of. In- I think it was, I think it was plantar fasciitis. Oh, great. Well, yeah. I mean, when so, you're that old, <laughs> they not only took a really old guy, but they took an injury. Uh, anyway, too. real quickly on Mariota, he had his most prolific rushing season of his career last year. Like the Falcons, like were kind of using him more like that, and I think he was, you know, uh-huh. and you know, he wasn't playing on a great team, and also some of that running probably speaks to his declining ability as a passer, but. Like, again, not nothing. There's value in being able to run the ball like he can, especially, again, I feel like in a situation where, God forbid, he has to start a game or two like Minshew did in the past couple seasons. You don't necessarily have to have him drop back and throw 35 times, 30, 35 times. You could probably, because of his running ability, you could probably get away with like maybe low 20s if you kind of really want to limit the amount of times he throws the ball and get creative Mm -hmm. with him running around. So uh, I think there's value in that, especially as a backup. Because uh, sometimes, especially in this team, it's not like they need him to go out and win the game. It's like, just don't lose the game. Like, don't go out and be the reason we lose. Just like, you know, manage the game, run around. Uh, you know, our playmakers will make plays. Defense can hopefully, you know, hold up. Uh, but just don't lose us the game. And I think there's a chance he can do that if he uh, is able to run around and kind of play conservative like he has. He doesn't have to. He's not like a guy looking to push the ball down the field. I don't think he had any deep passes, right? 
I don't recall any that he had like he was horrendous as a deep yeah. passer last so, year. Uh but like the do you know what his best game was against last well, year, by the way? It was the 49ers, but they were missing like a ton of players. <laughs> yeah, he was he was I think he was like 13 of 14 as a passer in that game, but but then they also just ran all over the 49ers. Yeah, but they were missing like a, Uh, Oh, I guess because they had a lot of guys out. (laughs) I think it was like six starters. It was a lot. It was like like uncanny amount. Okay. All right. But uh, why don't we take a break here, Jimmy? But not before we hear about Righteous Felon Craft Turkey, RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. It's it's one of the best ways you can support BGN Radio, which is free. Um, But if you want to get some snacks, and they're great, and you're going to have a really fun time with them, it's RighteousFelon.com. Discount code bgn Fifteen one five BGN one five for fifteen percent off your order. It's a permanent discount code. It's not like a one time only kind of thing. So if you really like it, you can just keep reordering and using that discount code. As I know, like a lot of listeners do that actually, because uh, it's a really good deal. So you can get in on that too, Jimmy. Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio where we're talking about the Eagles OTA first day of practice, real sicko stuff here. Like not even pads, not even, uh, you know, players are missing, but doesn't matter. We're getting into it all. Um, <laughs> well, let's get real sicko yeah. here then. Let's get, let's, let's, let's go with the punters. Um, obviously we have a training camp uh, battle on the horizon there with Aaron Sipos against uh, undrafted rookie free agent, Ty Zentner. After two seasons in which the Eagles didn't give Sipos uh, any competition, which, again, mind blown. I don't know why they wouldn't. Uh, but this year he's got uh, competition in Zentner. And uh, we actually got a great luck. <laughs> we don't always get like a, a – they're not always like the – I shouldn't I shouldn't even say not always. They are never like the actual focus of the practice. But they were punting right in front of us. Uh, the two got each punter got eight punts, uh, and there was right in front of us. I had actually like in my jokingly in my uh, I wrote an article like on the morning of the OTs. Like here's what I'm hoping to see. Here's 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 like uh, sort of a preview of the practice or whatever. And one of the things was like I hope I get a good look. I hope we get a good look at the punters. And they put them right in front of of the media for us to kind of uh, see them both kind of square off. And I thought Aaron Sipos decisively had a better day than Ty Zentner. I timed uh, each punter's hang times on their punts, and Sipos had a nice average of 4.92, which is pretty good. Any punt over five is good. So we had three punts that were over five. There was a 5.13, a 5.11, and a 5.18. Zentner's average was 4.47, which stinks if we're going to be uh, honest here at one punt uh, that was, it was actually five, exactly 5.00, two bad punts. One was, one was after a bad snap. So I won't put that totally on him. And then uh, another punt he shanked. Uh, it actually wound up kind of going out of bounds, like near the mm-hmm. end zone, but it was not what he was. It's not what they were trying to do in that drill. So he kind of shanked that punt and went off to the side. Uh, hang time was 3.8, uh, 3.81 on that punt. But yeah, decisive win on, uh, on day one for, Aaron Sipos, which uh, I know that our listeners and I, well, I know that our readers weren't happy. <laughs> My readers weren't happy to see Sipos one day one. Uh, I imagine our listeners will not be happy about that either. I mean, it's not a good outcome. And it's a situation where 
Um, you know, you have Zentner here, he's competing with Sipos, but they should still not like it shouldn't be just one of those two wins the job. It should be like Zentner versus Sipos versus the field, like of people who yeah, right, are on right. other teams or what, like the Eagles like better think long and hard about adding someone if they can or at least even like on the practice squad. I'm sorry, Howie, but yeah, it might have to mm-hmm. burn a practice squad. You have like sixteen of those, right, or whatever now. Like don't don't you don't need to get cute with the roster like, oh, we can't spend an extra 90 man or six practice squad just just do it because i don't need to rehash it but the punter has been a disaster in each of your last two playoff losses so maybe don't just like it reminds me of the i don't know how much you watched hard knocks last year with the lions but uh the two the 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 backup quarterbacks david blau and i forget who the other guy was they're competing for like the backup job sorry he was at the no 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 no. they're competing for the backup job they cut them both, and then Sudfeld's right. their backup quarterback. So, like, they, I think that is a is a, a possible outcome at punter too, where they're just unhappy with both of them, and they bring in a third guy that you know, who's you know loses a competition with some other team, but is better than you know either of the two. Eagles That's what guys. the Eagles did with uh, Tebow versus Matt Barkley. Neither of them won. It was um, what was that guy's name? Like Steve. He went to Miami, I think. Uh, mm. like, not. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I forget he wasn't. His name, he went though. to the Colts afterwards. I forget his name. Not really important, but I really want to yeah. know it because it's bothering me. Um, maybe I can look that up later. That, that would have been what? That would have been also uh, twenty fifteen yes. as well, right? Yeah. Um, it's like on the tip of my tongue too. Whatever, doesn't matter. I got you. Why don't Why yeah. don't you get onto the Stephen next thing? Morris, I'll look, I think I'll look that up in the background. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so there you go. Anyway, uh, I have a couple quick hitters, I think, here for you. Uh, let me pull up my notes because I looked away for a sec. Dan Arnold, who the Eagles signed kind of, mm-hmm. I guess, like a month ago or so. Really nice, tough, leeching, leaping catch in traffic that drew praise and high fives from his fellow tight ends. So, you know, I think that's a good sign for him. Okay. Uh, I like to Dan Arnold. I think I mentioned that when... The Eagles played the Cardinals in 2020. I think that was like Jalen Hurts' second start. I remember him making some like mm-hmm. big catches in that game. And the Eagles defense wasn't good, to be clear. But still, like, he made some like, like oh, that guy's interesting. Is he good? Kind of plays. So I think he's going to be kind of a, a player to watch here. Um, the Joseph Ngata, who mm-hmm. the Eagles gave the biggest UDFA signing bonus to. Uh, Clemson, right? Clemson wide receiver. Yep who I've referred to previously, I think with Ben Solak as um, a poor man's AJ Brown. Um, he had a couple catches and I really like how he runs after the catch. He's physical. He's not scared. He's not shying away from contact at all. Like he runs through tackles. Obviously they're not tackling right now, but he still like runs through contact. Those other guys might kind of uh, not be as enthusiastic as he is. So definitely think he's a guy to watch. I know he, um, you had mentioned, that uh, he may have run the wrong routes on an option route. Uh, Sirianni and Brian Johnson kind of got on him for that. But, you know, it's a UDFA. This is early in the offseason, so I'm really not too worried about that. And he's probably more of like a practice squad kind of guy anyway, roster bubble. And then lastly, I have... Uh, I mean, he, well, okay, before sure. you move on from him real quick, he, he, was a, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. So he was like a, like a big-time yeah. prospect uh, heading into college. And then just, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Like he didn't, I guess, you know, I don't want to say it didn't work out, but he didn't, uh, I guess, live up to expectations there, obviously, you know, going undrafted or whatever. But uh, I think he's like a guy that can maybe fill 
a similar type of role that yeah. Zach Pascal has. Uh, so I think, you know, maybe that's, that's like the absolute best case scenario for him. Like during training camp, you can't expect that of course. Uh, but if he were to somehow make the team, I believe it would be in that capacity. Maybe Dan Arnold, you could say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's more of like a, a receiver sure. uh, than, you know, sort of a blocker. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- those, and even Calcaterra can maybe even fill uh, a role similar to that as well. Yeah. And and again, I agree with you. Those guys aren't necessarily known for being blockers, but like, this is their path. That role is open. Like maybe they have to like yeah. reinvent themselves a little bit and get better and really work on that. It's mm-hmm. not to say uh, just because it hasn't happened, it can't happen, but we'll see. Uh, two more things. I have Ian Book was quarterback three ahead of Tanner McKee. Not shocking because McKee's a rookie. Uh, Book was here not during last offseason, but during the year. So he has a leg up a little bit um, with some of what they're doing schematically. And that's part of the point of what they're doing now is to, you know, get reps and and um, be able to get through those. Uh, so, you know, that could certainly change. And, and I think it will change at some point. And then um, I guess the last thing I have for now before you go again is kind of like hard to get too much out of Brian Johnson and Sean Desai, like learning new things about them. When again, it's a lighter practice mm-hmm. at seven on seven. Like, like, I don't know. I can't really tell you. I like learned about a lot about like new scheme things or new looks or, or anything like that. Well, here's what I'll say about Brian Johnson. Like he watched the practice from the sideline, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And he's got the quarterback background, of course. He was a quarterback himself, uh, a very good one at Utah in college. Uh, and he was, you know, quarter, the Eagles quarterbacks coach, of course, last year. Um, but he was watching from the sideline. I wonder if he was like forcing himself to not focus on quarterbacks and focus on, you know, in, in this case, like there was no offensive line out there, but maybe focus on the receivers in this case because uh, he's now the offensive coordinator. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's overseeing the entire offense. So, so I wonder if that was a, a, a purposeful choice by him to watch the practice from the sideline, which I kind of, I, I think that's a good point. I noticed that too. I don't think I wrote it down, but um, I was thinking in my head, like I don't think Steichen was ever on the sideline. I think he was always by like back by like the quarterbacks, like where Sirianni is behind mm-hmm. the, like, and Johnson as well was right. always back behind the quarterbacks. Yeah, of course, as he so. should have been yeah. because he's actually, yeah, directly working yeah. with them at the time. But yeah, I think that that could be a fair point. Um, I did see Jalen Hurts like talk to him on the sideline there at one point. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there could be something to that. Uh, decide didn't really even notice at all, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wondered, like, you know, just sort of what his on-field, like, uh, field general kind of demeanor would be. Like, Schw- Jim Schwartz, you know, he made himself known <laughs> often during practices. Like, he'd, you know, be screaming or whatever at times. Uh, and then also, also like, joking right. a- around a lot of times, particularly with, like, offensive players. Uh, but, yeah, he's, I guess, uh, you know, the early indications are that, you know, Sean Desai is um, maybe a little quieter on the field. Yeah. But we'll see how that, how you know, how how much he, you know, we we notice him during practice. And Gannon, forward. I feel like would typically, or at least I feel like, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, like kind of watch practices from like, and he had coached DBs, so I feel like he kind of watched it from back mm-hmm. there, as opposed to yeah, it's about. I think that's Schwartz, right. I don't yeah. think was there. He was at different parts. I always remember Schwartz and seven on seven lining up like right where the center would be, but facing the defense because like he doesn't care about like what the quarterback's doing, so he's just trying to look at all of his defense from the quarterback yes. perspective. Um, but not every coach does that. And, not, you know, I don't how much of that all that really matter. I don't know. But it's kind of interesting to note. Um, and it's one of the few things we can kind of abs- actually uh, notice when we're there. So I'll put that down. I think I have two more things. Uh, number one, running back usage. 
the Eagles were rotating those guys mm-hmm. to be expected. Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott, I believe, were the first two up with the first team. But like again, it just uh, that does not mean like they're going to be the the top two leaders in carries or anything. It's it's pretty early in the off season to read into any of that. There's going to be a rotation there. Those guys are going to split touches. I'm sure if someone is playing really well, that guy's going to get a lot more touches until they might not be playing as well. I think they're going to kind of ride the wave there at that spot. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, one thing I'll add to the running back discussion too, is like DeAndre Swift caught the ball really well, which you would expect. Um, but I actually like the way that Rashad Penny okay. caught the ball in practice yesterday. Just during, And again, we're just talking about individual drills. The Seahawks didn't really use him that way as a receiver. I think over his, career in Seattle, which is five years, which of course were cut short big time by all the injuries that he had. Uh, but you know, I think he only had like 20 something career catches mm-hmm. so far in, in the NFL. Uh, but he like, he didn't seem to have any issue catching the football. I thought he caught it pretty easily and um, you know, it like didn't fight the ball or anything like that. Just brought it in, turned up the field. So I wonder if, um, in, if, I don't, I don't know why the Seattle wouldn't have used him more, at least in the screen game, because that guy's a yeah. that guy's a B to tackle on the open field, <laughs> and he's he's fast and he's huge. Uh, so like I'm I'm really interested. I'm really interested to see how they rotate these guys in and out in real games. But I wonder how much we'll even see of uh, Rashad Penny in training mm-hmm. camp. Like I wonder how much they'll even use him because yeah, true. Keep that guy right. in bubble wrap. And make sure you have him ready for the regular season. Don't get him hurt yeah, in, tra- in training camp what, before he even gets to play what for is you. The point of like, you know, it's not like wide receiver where you're like building a chemistry with a quarterback. You know, like you're, yeah, yeah. It's not. The, I mean, obviously there has to be some timing things with the screen game and um, offensive line and whatnot. It's like you know, for the most part, just yeah. I agree with you, honestly. Yeah, get it. Almost go. like just put him on at a certain point, depending on like how your record is in the season, depending on the season's going. Almost like put him on bubble wrap to the playoffs because like that's when it, like right. that's when he's going to matter and be <laughs> yeah. the most valuable and matter the most, especially his style yeah. of play. I feel like like you need that guy. Like if you're only getting him for eleven games, you, you want those eleven games to include like the end of the season or into the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. And that kind of I guess sounds obvious with a lot of players, but like with him especially, like that's you need him for those moments. Uh, like think back to the Super Bowl. I don't think it's like they lost the Super Bowl because the running backs weren't good enough for like, it wasn't that direct one-to-one, but running game wasn't mm-hmm. good in the Super Bowl, and it could have been better. So right. if you have. Yeah, they scored, they, they you know, they scored at will right. basically on the Chiefs with the, the the exception of, you know, one drive in the second half. And of course the, the un, very unfortunate fumble. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, the, but certainly, uh, yeah, they, they can use a guy that, that can, you know, break a game mm-hmm. open like, like a Rashad Penny or like a or, yeah, keep the team's moving, kind of just be unstoppable. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Last thing I had was Alamade Zacchaeus. Mentioned him earlier. Okay. Getting some work with the first team in part because, again, Devontae not there. Quez was ahead of him, I believe you could say, as a wide receiver three. But and they're different players. Uh, Johnny, our, our BGN zone, Johnny Page, did a good breakdown on both of those guys for Leading Your Nation earlier this week. So you can check out his film review on them. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't, I think I've said this before. I don't think that it's so much wide receiver three, like one over the other, like they're only going to play one of those two guys as much as they're going to play both, but in different roles. Mm-hmm. And I think the snap count could kind of vary both on matchup and also how they're looking at a certain time. Like if Quez continues to be as unreliable as he was at the end of last year, then certainly his playing time is going to go way down, I would think. Uh, but you know, Quez has that 
field stretching ability um in addition can be i think like effective on a crossing route like he was on that first catch uh of the uh, of the day pass from Jalen Hurts Alameda is more of that uh, and kind of like a maybe underrated ele- new element to the Eagles offense because they didn't really have that so much. I would say maybe like Kenny Gainwell later in the year, a guy you can kind of uh, dump off to, and then he can kind of make things happen after the catch. He can turn like a five-yard uh, short curl maybe into a first down or uh, you know a longer gain. Um, you have that little bit, I think, now with uh, Olamide. Yeah, he actually was kind of used similarly to Quez with the Falcons, um, especially like when you compare, uh, you know, what Quez was not last year, but in 2021 where he was the number two receiver and also sort of the third guy uh, just in general in the pecking order in, in, uh, you know, in, in the passing game uh, behind, you know, Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Uh, Quez was, you know, sort of the third guy behind Devante and Dallas Goddard. Uh, but they used in the same way. It's sort of like a downfield uh, receiver, and he definitely does not have Quez. So he has, you know, good no one speed. Quez, I mean, but few he, does, have Quez he doesn't have Quez's yeah. speed, <laughs> right? So like most of the players on the team acknowledge that Quez is the fastest guy, you know, on the roster. So he doesn't have that kind of speed, but he was a much more reliable uh, player than Quez was last year. Yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting to see the evolution of Jalen Hurts a little bit. He's not like a check down kind of guy. And I don't think he really needs to be relative to other quarterbacks because a lot of quarterbacks who would check down in certain situations, well, Jalen can just take off running and get, you know, eight yards mm-hmm. or whatever that way. But there are times when I think back to the 49ers game specifically, I thought that was a little bit of a different look for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense where. Um, because the 49ers are so athletic and like keyed in on Jalen running, like they're not going to allow him to do that. But where they were vulnerable mm-hmm. a little bit is in that, like what they w- were willing to surrender, which is like, you know, short middle of the field, like five yards a pop. And he was just kept taking that. And I think there were a couple of plays in that game where like Gainwell made a catch or someone made the catch over the, the middle of the field and then was able to like make someone miss and get a first down that way. So I think Olamide is going to, you know, kind of brings that element to the offense. I'm not saying like that's this amazing thing or like unlocks the offense to a new level, but it's a new little wrinkle. And I think it's nice to have like a check down option like that available to them. And uh, and certainly sometimes, um, you know, look, you can scheme things up. You can try to do your best, but sometimes you need a guy to make a play. And I feel like Olamide might be able to do that here and there where um, it's third and eight and nothing is there. And instead of forcing it, you get the ball to him uh, for what could be a, like, it looks like a three yard catch. He makes someone miss. Maybe he doesn't even get the first down, but maybe he gets you to fourth and one. And all of a sudden, you know, you're able to go for it. I think that's, they've upgraded right. in that kind of area. I think. He's small, by the way, like he was standing next to Britton Covey. Not a big difference between those two guys. Yeah. Yeah, he is smaller for sure, but uh, I like him. All right, one well, one more. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I just like I think I like his there? game. I like him. I think he's a good player. One more depth chart note that I'll just uh, point out real quick. You mentioned that uh, Ian Book was the number three ahead of McKee. It's because McKee's a rookie. Um, and similarly at safety, the two oh, yeah. guys uh, playing with first team was Terrell Edmonds. And Reed Blankenship, and then, and then even beyond them, like the the second team was and Reed was at the podium and too. Justin Evans. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, Reed got some podium time, and then Sidney mm-hmm. Brown was like sort of more third team uh, safety, which again, totally not expected, totally not um, unexpected at all. Like rookies tend to they let them kind of get their sea legs a little bit, 
and ultimately Sidney Brown is going to get an opportunity to start as a rookie and you know, to show that he deserves to start as a rookie. Uh, but certainly there's a, um, you know, a, a battle there between those three guys for two starting spots. Again, I think they're going to actually play some three safety Agreed. sets. So whoever is left out of the uh, starting lineup is still going to get some playing time this year, even if guys don't get hurt. Uh, and Sidney Brown, by the way, I think like, you know, a, a theme of this podcast has been like, what do they actually look like in terms of their size uh, versus what it says on paper? So he's five eleven. Uh, you know, I think two two hundred and eleven pounds. Again, he doesn't look at a place on the field in any way. Like he's he's fine. Like he looks like a normal safety size player. So I think he's fine there. Um, you know, moved around really well in, in my opinion. Uh, but just to start off, it was Edmonds and Blankenship, which again, not a big surprise. And in Blankenship's, uh, were you there for for his no, press conference? No, I left at that point. So uh, my boy, Ed Kratz, who sits next to me in the Eagles media house, um, was, at, was asking Reed a question. He, was, he said, you look bigger this year. And uh, the way it, it kind of came out from Ed and initially it was like, like, what do you think? I'm fat? <laughs> like Reed Blankenship didn't say that, but like it sounded like that way. And then and Ed, you know, uh, sort of, um, I guess, uh, not corrected what he, but sort of, uh, said what he meant really. He's like, no, you look swole. <laughs> and, uh, and Reed goes, well, thank you. Uh, but yeah, Reed Blankenship does sure. look bigger than he did last year. Um, and he sort of even acknowledged that, um, he wanted to, you know, add muscle for this, that, or the other reason. Um, but yeah, he, he does look like, uh, like, like bigger than he did this time. Last I think year. Reed and Terrell are going to be the top two snap takers at safety this mm-hmm. season. Um, that's not to say it's a good bet. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think that's like, that shouldn't be, I don't think that's like a hot take. I think people, I think Sidney Brown's exciting, but like, I just, you know, he's a rookie and safety is a position. I think that takes time. I think you could have a role like Nicobe yeah, last year. I think, I think you could have a role in the defense. Like you just said with three safety kind of looks and obviously there's going to be injuries. Oh, well, not hopefully not at safety or anywhere, but like realistically there could be some injuries. So, you know, you might get a chance to play, but I also like, I don't discount Justin Evans in here. Like the Eagles kind of like, he's not like a, a total, just like non-factor. Now I'm not saying he should start or anything, but like, I, I think the Eagles like Justin Evans a little bit more than probably people would think. Um, Did I tell the story about him on the podcast? I don't know. That's what I'm kind of alluding to, but I don't know if you were able to say that. <laughs> so I didn't want to. I think it's okay. okay to say that. So I, I think it's okay to say that they liked what they saw of him in the preseason yeah. last year when he was with the Saints. And they uh, reached out to the Saints about a potential trade and didn't work out that way. They wound up, they actually wound up trading for (laughs) CJ Gardner Johnson with the Saints instead. Mm. Um, But they did have interest also in Justin Evans and, you know, nothing happened there. But, you know, he becomes a free agent this offseason and boom, they're right on him. So uh, he's a guy that they've had their eye on for a while. So I wouldn't just assume, like, oh, he's just, you know, fodder, like, totally discount him. So it's another potential roadblock to Sidney Brown playing. But, it's fine. He's a third. He's a third round safety. It's not like he has to play year one. That's not. It shouldn't be an expectation, mm-hmm. um, especially when there are experienced people ahead of him. And then, like, look, Reed looked really good in camp last year, and I liked when he had to play in the regular season. I thought he said he like mm-hmm. the fact that he became the first undrafted rookie free agent to ever pick off Aaron Rodgers. That's not just like a cute little thing. Like that was a really <laughs> good pick too. That wasn't like a tip ball. Like that was an amazing. No pun intended. Oh yeah, he read, read that play and then he made a break on yeah, it. That yeah, was incredible. Yeah. That was like one of the most impressive plays I've seen, like at least in a while, because it was like it was just 
He was the most impactful rookie on the yeah, team exactly. last year. Well, very, very low bar to clear, but yes, it's true. So yeah, I don't know why <laughs> he's just getting kind of discounted there. I think he, um, I think he's definitely uh, a player to feel. I feel more optimistic about him than I do in Kobe. Yeah, to your point, sure. Because I think he showed more. Um, all right. Uh, any like final observations before we get to final thoughts? Mm, I think we. I think I cover. I think we pretty much covered Got everything. everything. Um, in my in my notes, be, anyway. Uh, the next Eagles OTA practice, the second and final, will be at some point next week. I think like. It'll either be the sixth or the sixth, which, which I believe is a Tuesday, or the eighth, yeah. which is a Thursday. I think uh, the Eagles are leaning toward letting us in on the okay. eighth. So that would be next Thursday is when we would potentially be doing our second one. We'll do the same thing here: recap podcast, all of our practice notes up, um, so you can stay tuned with that. And then we'll be off until well, I mean, we'll still be here, but the Eagles will be off until training camp begins in late July. Um, mm-hmm. Jimmy, do you have any final thoughts? Don't Nelson Aguilar after yeah. uh, that final OTA practice. I'm sure the players are listening. <laughs> uh, final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, this is my favorite time of year <laughs> when, like, I can actually enjoy my summer. Uh, so I'm looking forward to doing that, uh, you know, down at the Jersey Shore, Long Beach Island, a little bit more specifically for me. I think one of the things I'd like to do this summer is, uh, hit, like, hit hit as many – jersey shore towns as i can for a bike ride oh so like you know cape may sea isle avalon ocean city bringantine you know like lavalette orley beach uh you know the seaside area park um asbury park it might be a little north i might be a little too far north so i want to hit like more just sort of like seaside lavalette uh, orley and down from there because that's those are like the shore shore areas that people from Philly frequent. Okay. Um, I feel like the cutoff is probably, you know, like, and I think actually it's you know like Seaside and like that whole area is, is more North Jersey than sure. Philly, but there's still Philly people that go there. But I think that's kind of the cutoff of where like Philly people will go I think to. LBI is mixed, so that's like exit. It's like eighty something on the Parkway. Anything eighty and below. Philly people will go to. And then I feel like Long Beach Island is the first one where there's more Philly than New York. And then of course it becomes more yeah. and more Philly the but further it's south mixed, you go. You would say, right? I'd say LBI is mixed. It's LBI is mixed, but I I'd say there's more Philly okay. than New York. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um obviously like OC Philly. Not the biggest OC guy. People really love it. Wildwood of course is is super Philly. It's Phil- actually it's Philly and French Canadian. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know yeah, I know that's big. Um Interesting. Uh, do you want to tell me about Kristen Roach? Oh, wait, hold on. First, before we do that, actually, follow up. Okay. Did you get any good recommendations for hashtag hobbies for Jimmy? I did. Um, that did that recommendation did not. Did not There's actually like you had mentioned the uh, disc yes. golf, and several people yeah, recommended that good. as well. Um, so yeah, that was the most common one. Uh, you. You know, somebody mentioned nat- national parks, which there are none near here, which is a little, a bit of a bit of a bummer. I think the closest one is probably in Maine, Acadia. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd love to do that, but that requires travel. Um, you, but yeah, I think the disc golf was the most common. I bet uh, you have some good courses like relatively near you. We should look that up. I bet you there are some nearby. Disc for disc golf? Yeah, I would guess so. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, probably. There's you know a little more open mm-hmm. space out here than there is obviously in the city. Yeah, there's a good one in Philly called um, Sedgley. It's out kind of by like okay. um, like right above the art museum, I guess basically like in that area, like um, like kind of like not quite in, I guess, but like near like Wissahickon, like uh, so you know. If you can get one there in the city, I'm sure. Yeah, there's plenty. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. kind of tight. It's not like... It's good. I like playing it. Um, I think it's bigger than you might expect for a city. But it's... Yeah, it's not the same as some open field ones. Tyler Park in Bucks County uh, is a really good one that I go to. Some of my friends sometimes. That's like a... It's a big course. And also, I think it goes up to like 27. I don't... We don't play the 27. We play the 18. Um, but that's huge. And it's like a... It can be a long thing. Like, obviously, golf can be it's mm-hmm. probably longer. Actual golf, ball golf, like I should say. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's worth a try. And you could probably get a disc for, like, I don't know, like 20 bucks, not even, like, or a pack. So, yeah, oh, I mean, it's, it? like, it's really cheap. And, again, <laughs> the, the barrier to entry is so low. As long as you can kind of throw it, you'll figure it out, and you'll get better with time. Or not. Uh, Jimmy, why don't you tell me about Chris and Roach of Roach Realtors? Yeah, 856-906-906. 9295 is where you can reach her if you're looking to buy or sell your home. Of course, voted by God as the greatest realtor in the history of the universe. Again, 856-906-9295. WittingYourNation.com is where you find my work. PhillyVoice.com is where you find Jimmy Kemsky's work. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Jimmy Kemsky. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gowton. You can book me on Cameo. Someone just did that to uh roast a cowboys fan in their little madden league draft that they're doing so there you go um you can also check out righteous felon craft jerky we're going to righteousfelon.com using discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order you can uh what else am i forgetting i don't know i just subscribe to the bleeding nation podcast feed how about that and also check out the bleeding green nation youtube channel where we have youtube videos of some of the podcasts that we do including the latest nfc east mixtape episode where uh rj ochoa and i talked about reasons to be bullish about every NF, uh, nfc east team and next week we'll be doing the bearish episode reasons to kind of so kind of preempting your dumpster fire thing a little bit here jimmy sorry about that no well each month i you know i have a big uh calendar whiteboard mm-hmm. and i have like you know what i sort of pre-plan what i'm i've seen you know, it I, i've been to your place and i've the seen month. this the uh it's it's, it's huge a, it's a big yeah. ass whiteboard <laughs> and uh yeah, so the dumpster fire is already on wow. the whiteboard, beginning with the Cowboys, June twenty sixth. Looking forward to. Actually, I kind of hate that. I I kind of hate writing <laughs> those because they. I know they're going to be like super heavily scrutinized mm-hmm. by the teams that I'm that I'm trashing. So they have to be on right. point. And I spend a really a really a lot of I spend more time on those than probably anything else I do throughout the bulletproof, year. Bulletproof, I think, is how you describe it typically. They, be bulletproof. bulletproof is how I try to make them be. Yeah, if if like the response is, you know, if you, <laughs> then you know you did good. Typical Philly, blah 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 blah. But they don't actually refute anything right. in the article. I know I've done okay. a good job. Yeah, that makes sense. Ad hominem is a good way to uh, gauge your uh, quality of yeah. your piece. Uh, all right, we'll get out of here, and we'll be back with you next week to recap Eagles OTA practice day two. Goodbye, everybody. P G N. <laughs>